0: Hello, and welcome once again to a MANCAD BAA Academy of Audiology podcast. I'm sure you know by now that MANCAD stands for Manchester Centre for Audiology and Deafness, and that we're located at the University of Manchester in the UK. I'm Gabby Saunders, I'm a Senior Research Fellow at MANCAD, and I moderate these podcasts. Now, all of our podcasts address topics that are pertinent to the practice of audiology, and we want them to have relevance to audiologists and researchers, and really anybody who's interested in hearing and hearing loss. We record a new podcast each month. Um, they each last 20 to 30 minutes. And what we do is we put this audio recording along with a transcript is on our University of Manchester webpages. And you can see the transcript for the URL. On to today, Rebecca Melman or Becky from ManCAD is gonna be discussing what audiologists say matters, unintended consequences of wording and expectations in instructions for patients. Becky is a lecturer here at Manked and, and she's interested in listening, effort, and motivation. Before we start our, our conversation, I'm gonna pass you on to Becky, who's gonna tell you a little bit more about herself.
1: Becky. Oh, thank you, Gabby, and thank you for inviting me to be part of this podcast today. Um, so as you said, I am a lecturer in MANCAD, um, and I have um, research interests in the psychology of hearing, and how our brains respond to sounds that are important for communication. Thank you. All right, so
0: on to today. We're basically going to be um, talking about communication between audiologists and their patients, but I understand you came to this from the perspective of instructing patients during testing. Can you tell us a bit more about this and what you're thinking is?
1: Uh, Yes, Gabby. So I came to this topic from the perspective of the influence of motivation on how participants perform listening tasks. And we do know that listening is often effortful for people with a hearing loss. Um, But even for people with normal hearing, the effort needed to listen can become particularly apparent in background noise or in other difficult listening situations. So, for example, if you're listening to someone who is speaking with an unfamiliar accent. And we think that the listening effort that individuals choose to put into demanding listening situations depends on their level of motivation. And this is because effortful listening requires mental resources. And the motivation to invest these resources depends on the perceived benefit or reward. The decision to invest resources relies heavily on motivation. For example, when an individual is highly motivated towards a goal, they will be more willing to expend the effort that is required. Or, on the other hand, if someone is not motivated to use listening effort, this might also explain why someone might choose to abandon a social gathering. So, for example, if the listening environment at a social gathering is too demanding, or the conversation at that gathering is not very interesting to the listener, then that person might think that it's not worth putting the extra effort needed to follow the conversation, or they might decide to leave that particular gathering. You talk about listening effort just now.
0: Um, I'm guessing this applies in all sorts of things, whether it's listening effort, or effort put into writing an essay, or effort put into exercising, is, is that true?
1: Um, Yes, I do think that listening effort is, you know, could also be considered cognitive effort that could be applied in many different aspects of life. Um, And I think motivation plays a big role in the effort that people are willing to expend. Um, And motivation can explain why people behave um, in certain ways. Um, So, for example, we know that motivation determines the goal um, or goals being pursued. Um, And motivation can also modulate the intensity of behaviour or the amount of effort invested in behaviour. So, for example, from um, a different field, so it's possible that when you're in education, um, either at school or a higher education, um, you will probably be asked to write assignments and then you'll get feedback on those <coughs> assignments. Um, and depending on your individual preferences, you might like to receive feedback um, that's written in a certain way. Um, and a certain type of feedback will motivate you to try even better in your next assignment and put more, uh, more effort in Um, to achieve a better mark. Um, But the feedback that motivates me as an individual might not be exactly the same as the type of feedback that would motivate you as an individual. So some people might really like to see um, positive evaluation in the feedback they receive. Other people would respond better to negative um, evaluations of their work and really pointing out where the weaknesses are in the work that they submitted. So you think
0: that kind of applies in listening effort too, how, the, the kind of feedback people get from the person they're listening to? Or yes, what? yes.
1: So, so we do know that feedback does affect listening effort and motivation, um, and the type of feedback or the type of evaluation that, sorry, the type of evaluation or the type of feedback that is given can affect the way that people expend listening effort. Interesting. So what are the theoretical principles then behind that? So one um, very influential model in the field of listening effort is the framework for understanding effortful listening, or the FUEL. Um, So the FUEL is a model that describes the relationship between listening demands um, within a certain listening environment, a listener's motivation, and the amount of listening effort that someone is willing to put in. And so the conceptual understanding and motivation outlined in the FUEL Um, builds upon another theory um, of motivation, which is called motivational intensity theory. And a fundamental prediction of motivational intensity theory is that the effort investment um, is governed by a resource or energy conservation principle. And this means that people try to avoid wasting energy and therefore investing more energy, more effort than is required for successful task execution. So when it comes to a listening task, how do you as the listener know how much energy you should invest. Um, And so one aspect of a listening task that can give you a clue as to how much energy you should be investing is the level of the task difficulty. So typically the greater the task difficulty, then the greater amount of effort will be required. But your motivation to invest that effort will also determine how much energy you will end up investing.
0: So in a real world circumstance then, you might feel like it's important to hear what your doctor says, but really not care what your pal in the pub is saying. Is that what you're kind of um, suggesting? And that that will dictate how much effort you put in the conversation?
1: Yeah, so um, I think the the party example is one that's often used to explain the relationship between listening effort and motivation. Um, So if you imagine you're at a party um, and there's some level of background noise, um, and so as the level of background noise increases, when more and more people, start to turn up at the party you're involved in a conversation um, that you find particularly interesting let's say people are talking about the football match um, that was on earlier that evening and you as a football fan are very much interested in having a discussion about the match so even though you need to invest effort into that conversation to be able to follow it you don't mind because you're so interested in the topic itself and therefore you're motivated to put the effort that's required So let's say you're at the same party, um, maybe half an hour later, and the conversation topic has turned to a play that someone else at the party recently seen, and you are not very interested um, in watching plays or talking about plays. So at that point, you lose the motivation to expend the effort and you basically switch off um, and stop listening to the conversation.
0: And go get a retail of beer.
1: Yeah. Um, so talking of
0: research, it would seem that this is like the perfect topic that one could um, apply when you're doing research of manipulating different variables and things and manipulating um, what you tell people, manipulating motivation, et cetera. Um, can you tell us about some of the audiological studies that have done this as part of their study design?
1: Um, yes, there are a few listening effort studies um, that abuse mild deception, um, for example, manipulating task instructions. Some of these studies have enhanced how competent the participant or the listener felt when they were performing the listening task. Um, And so we think that if a participant is made to feel more competent, then this may result in improved performance in certain listening tasks. Um, A more specific example is the study by Bentler et al. in 2003, where they used the same hearing aid um, but in a crossover trial where there was nothing changed about the actual output of the hearing aid or the fitting of the device itself. Um, But it was just that the shell colour of the hearing aid was changed, and the participants were told that one shell colour meant that they were listening to an analog hearing aid, and the other shell colour meant they were listening to an advanced digital hearing aid. And the so-called digital labelling effects led to significant differences across a variety of outcome measures, even though there was no actual difference between their devices or the way that they were fitted.
0: Yeah, and I, and I recall when um, Ruth Bettner talked about this, she also said that when she, that because of the, the ethics, they, they had to debrief subjects. And even when they were debriefed, there were individuals who insisted the hearing aids were different, um, mind over matter and all that. All right, back to clinical audiology. You obviously don't want to be you know, tricking your patients, being untruthful with your patients. That would be nope. a really bad thing to do. So is there, how, how should this be applied maybe in a clinical manner?
1: So you might think um, that as if you're a clinician, what you say to patients could not affect the, the way that they perform on standard clinical tests, um, such as pure tone audiometry or speech testing. Um, but the research in the listening effort literature suggests that conditions may inadvertently change the way that a, a patient performs on a test by changing the patient's expectations. Uh, and so we do know that the, for example, the British Society of Audiology um, has written guidelines for many different audiological tests that are used in the clinic. And an example would be that the guidelines, the BSA guidelines for poor tone audiometry, contain a very specific set of instructions that should be read out to the patient before the PTA test starts. And so as a clinician, you would stick to those exact instructions and you would not deviate from what the BSA guidelines need to say. Um, but for other types of tests that are routinely carried out in the clinic, such as speech testing, as far as I am aware, the BSA guidelines for speech testing do not contain any explicit instructions for patients, and therefore, I guess the clinician has to make their own judgment um, about what they should and what they should not say to patients um, before and during speech testing.
0: Give an example of, of um, some of the instructions you, you know, that you would expect to see a difference with.
1: So, um, so there's a. A paper in, on listening effort um, by Hodgetts and colleagues. And so in that study, they actually showed that by the instructions they gave to patients before they started a, a standard speech test, it was the hearing and noise test. So the Hodgetts et al showed that the instructions given to patients before they started the Hint test actually affected their performance on the Hint test. So some of the participants were told that the Hint test was gonna be really difficult and they'd have to try really hard. And the other half of the participants were told that the Hint test was gonna be easy um, and they wouldn't have to try too hard. And so just by having those two different sets of instructions, um, Hodgitz et al. managed to measure differences on the Hint test in terms of the speech reception thresholds um, for the group who were given the difficult prime versus the group who were given the easy prime.
0: In what direction?
1: So the people who were told it was going to be more difficult managed to perform better than the people who were told it was easy.
0: Which, and how much do you happen to know?
1: It's 0.6 in the DB.
0: That translates I think on the hint to about six percent. Okay so what should you be doing in clinical practice then? Makes one wonder.
1: Um, well I think both clinicians um, and researchers probably need to think carefully about what they actually say to participants. Um, before they start a test with them and during a longer testing session. um, I guess we should try and stick to the same set of instructions for all participants, um, unless we really intend to manipulate what a participant expects about the test that we're asking them to carry out. Um, And it is really important to try and understand how motivation um, affects listening effort. and especially for hearing impaired listeners who often tell us that listening is exhausting and all they want to do when they get home at the end of the day is to take their hearing aids out. Um, Then if we could maybe better understand what motivates people to invest that extra effort into listening, um, then that's something we could help our patients with.
0: Yeah, I I have to say, just think about the Hodgetts paper that you said, that when they were told it was harder, they did better, I find that really interesting because there is also, you know, this this notion that you get to a difficulty level where you just give up, um, and it just seems surprising that maybe some people didn't give up sooner because they expect, you know, they were told it was going to be difficult. Therefore, you think, well, maybe these experimenters don't expect me to do very well, so I'm not going to worry about it. That's just, it, to me, it's somewhat um, counterintuitive.
1: Yeah, it's a very good point, Gabby. So what you have to do as a researcher is to really think hard about the difficulty level of your um, listening task so we know from motivation intensity theory that you need to make the task difficult but not too difficult so that the participants perceive it as impossible so it's really trying to get that balance between a task where there is room for improvement in terms of performance but not making it so hard that participants just want to give up on the task
0: yeah that's what it sounds like so, do you have any sort of bottom line takeaway message for us?
1: Um, so, I think the my takeaway message would be that listening effort probably affects many audiology patients, and it really would be great if we could understand more about the interaction between motivation and listening effort, um, and maybe we could do something to help people stop giving up on listening um, in difficult listening situations or even at the more extreme end, deciding to isolate themselves socially um, because they find that listening is such a a burden in terms of the energy that it requires.
0: That certainly um, seems a very clear message. Thank you, Becky, for sharing your time and your thinking. Um, It's a fascinating topic, but it seems like we've got a long way to go to understand. Um, I just want to let everybody who's listening know that there'll be a transcript. Um, we'll add some of the references, some of the papers that uh, Becky mentioned during the podcast. If you've got any follow-up questions or want to give some feedback or share ideas about future topics for our podcast, send me an email and my address, email address, as I say, will be on the uh, website and the transcript. Um, I hope you enjoyed this conversation and hope you'll come back to hear the next one. Uh, and I'll get the word out as to when that will be available. And in the meantime, stay well and farewell.